0: Hi, and welcome to the podcast. Today, I'm interviewing a relatively new friend of mine we met at Exponential. His name is Curtis Honeycutt. He has done everything you can imagine. He has sold insurance. He's run multiple businesses. He's the leadership development pastor at NewLife.Live, a church in Maryland with all kind of different campuses and church plants. They actually have multiple churches in one campus. Exciting things are going on. Uh, this is one of the most intriguing individuals that I've ever talked to, and I'm so thankful that he could be with us today. Hey, Curtis, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you so much.
0: So, just uh, kind of, I'd like to hear your spiritual journey. You know, first, how you kind of came to yeah. Christ, how you ended up uh, doing what you're doing in ministry, and and then we'll get into the nuts and bolts of things.
1: Yeah, that sounds good. Well, I didn't. I didn't grow up in the church um, necessarily. I went. Like, my grandma would take me to Greek Orthodox Church in D.C., and I just, the only thing I remember is the smells. <laughs> we used to go there, and it wasn't, I didn't like it. Uh, I didn't understand what they were saying, so I had that view of church, and then, like, mom drugged me to church a couple times a year when, you know, she could get me to go. Um, and then it got to the point where, when I was 19 years old, I I wanted to get rich. My mom was government employee. My dad's a small business owner. Um, And like for my dad, he made a great income, but in a way the business owned him and my mom, you know, the work that she had to do for the government. I didn't want either of those things. Like none of those made sense for me. So I ended up getting an insurance. And when I got an insurance, I had never read a book in my life, never read a full book. I think I read most of the Swiss family Robinson when I was a little kid. Cause my mom made me, but I'd never read a full book. And then I get into, uh, uh, insurance and then I get into network marketing and I just decide, like, I need to, I need to change. And it was the first time in my life I realized I could, like, I could actually do something different or be something different. Um, so I took my TV off my wall and sold it to my friend's mom for like 50 bucks. And I just started reading books. Um, I, I've read, uh, richest man in Babylon compound effect by Darren Hardy, uh, Darren Hardy didn't write Bridges, Man, and Babylon, but I read those two books first. That first year, I must have read 50 books, and I just started consuming. and it was all stuff about, it was mindset, it was business principles, it was sales, it was go-give-or-sell more, how to win friends, influence people, but in that, there was a guy named Jim Rohn. Have you heard of Jim Rohn? Oh. Okay, so Jim Rohn's a, a business teacher, um, but he taught his most of his business principles through biblical stories. Oh. so. I started attending a local church and I started helping out with their kids ministry for two reasons. One, I wanted to learn how to speak in front of people on stage. And I was like, well, if I can act like an idiot in front of 60 kids and 20 adults, like I can probably present better. Um, But I, so I, (laughs) I start serving at this church um, because I'm curious about what Jim Rohn's talking about. And then I want to, like, I just want to kind of dig deeper. And I had this whole year where Man, I'd be out partying, drinking, acting like an idiot. And I was flat broke. I, would, I didn't do good in business at first at all. Went way broke for multiple years. Um, so I had no money. I was partying like an idiot. But I'd be up until four in the morning partying. But something would wake me up at like 7 a.m. And I, no matter how far I was, I would end up either going to this church in Calvert County or this church that I'm, I'm working for now uh, in La Plata. And uh, that happened for about a year. And through this process, my, my best friend, the big six foot nine black dude, uh, named Anthony, I'm five, four and white. You remember when we met at the yeah. moment, I'm, I'm a little fella. He's, um, Anthony got diagnosed with leukemia. So I just got to the point where I'm making some money. Like life is, I'm like, okay, I'm on the, I'm on the up and up. Things are going well. Um, and Anthony D one basketball player at Morgan state gets diagnosed with leukemia. Hunt six foot nine drops down to 135 pounds. And his faith through all, because he had told me about Jesus. He had mentioned about, he, we'd had conversations about it, but it was always like, yeah, yeah, whatever. But you get to see the weight of what it means to know Jesus when somebody's in a trial. And I saw the weight. I saw a piece that he, he had more peace losing his entire career and going through cancer than I did like in traffic coming home. And there was just something different. And I ended up uh, giving my life to Christ in his basement about 10 years ago, um, and then ended up making good money for a while, but someone didn't feel like it was all there, so I ended up going to Hillsong College in Australia, uh, that's where I met my wife, I studied there for a year, I came back, and that's when I planted the church here, and things started to change from there.
0: Wow, so take us from there, tell, tell us a little bit about um, the planting the church, about yeah. the struggles that you faced, what you felt when, <laughs> when life got tough, yeah yeah so i
1: i went to australia with a suitcase i came back with a suitcase and a swedish woman so i did good while i was there i ended up uh marrying matilda uh and we now have two kids and we live here in, in america obviously now um but she's from sweden so i i traveled out there to propose to her uh a couple months after i got back from australia when we met at hillsong and uh we played a game for three months before we left college which was called let's find a reason to break up so we spent three months just trying to figure out is this going to work or is it not and so the following april that was december i think we left australia the following april i flew to sweden and surprised her and proposed during that time um i was i was heavily attending here at new life church and i started serving and helping out but i mean i was taught in business the Bigger problems you solve, the bigger checks you cash. So for me, it was always just my mind was geared to look for the gaps, look for what's not happening, look for look for what people aren't doing right now, and fill those gaps. So they had this big church with multiple locations, but they didn't have a strong young adult presence where these people were unified and doing things together. Um, so I started that, and we named it Impact, and we launched it, and things were going well, and then um, they. I had this moment where I was wrestling with God and it was, I'd always seen, I have to either do business or I have to do ministry. I always saw it as one or the other. So I started building this young adult group, but at the same time I was wrestling with this entire idea of, but, but I feel like I'm called to do something in the business world. I have, I have influence here that I shouldn't have. People come to me and ask me questions when they're, I'm not making a whole bunch of money. I'm not prominent in this, these industries that I was in, but these people would come to me for spiritual guidance or for advice. So I'm like, I want to be here, but I feel like I'm supposed to be here. So there was this constant wrestling match. And I had this day where I was on this campus and um, I was actually taking a business course. And he said something, he said, stop doing crap that you hate. And he didn't say crap. And for me, I just kind of stopped for a moment because there was so much that I was doing in insurance. And in, at this point I was uh, doing marketing for a skincare company. Um, and I was, I hated what I was doing, but I liked the people and I liked the money. And I felt like God just dropped something on me in that moment. And I, I had a mentor here who I would go to for everything just because he was very objective. So I started running around the church and I'm looking for him and I can't find him. I can't find him. And then I'm like, crap, I can't go ask for a job at the church right now. Now, because I just took this marketing position, so I'm running around the church looking for this guy to have this conversation with. And this person that worked for the church handed me their resume, and they said, "Hey, I, you might know somebody. Uh, I want a marketing job. I want to do this." And they handed it to me. I looked at it. It was exactly to, it would have taken the position that I had just applied for. I'm like, okay. So I keep looking for this one guy. I can't find him. So I look for another guy. Can't find either of them. End up finding them in the same room, and I walk in, and I was like, I closed the door and i'm just like i think i'm supposed to come work here and they both started crying and they said you just answered a prayer that we're in here talking about right now and um i ended up getting a job at the church thinking they were hiring me to do young adults which later i found out they said no that was just the the stable we were putting you in until we found a track for you to run on so we go and there's this a couple months later we end up taking a look at this big It looked like a beer warehouse, but it was an old church, 17,000 square foot building, a whole bunch of crazy stuff happened. Church wasn't working anymore. Um, It was like a $2 million building. And they brought me there. And I thought it was just to see it. And later after a staff meeting, they said, hey, come over across the parking lot. We need to talk to you. And I get over there and they said, hey, you're going to be the campus pastor of this this church. And they said, we have peace about this. And I was like, well, that's great. Because I feel like I'm going to throw up. Like I wasn't licensed. I like, I wasn't ready for this at all. So they had somebody that was ordained that could come with me. They had a, a small team that could come with me. So I started gathering the team and, and, and trying to get everything ready for this. And I had no idea what I was doing. We were supposed to launch in January. Um, but that building that we bought had temporary use and occupancy permits for over 10 years. They never finalized anything with the county. So the the county had just a vendetta against the building and we ate all of it. So I'm running, I'm newly married. I'm running the building project. I gathered this team told them we're launching in January. We ended up launching July 4th weekend. That's how long it took. Um, And just everything was all over the place for so long. Um, But I remember how stressed a lot of the people were around me. And I remember how stressed I thought I was supposed to be, but I wasn't. I had... All of this had been so wrestled through and so covered in prayer that I felt so fully this what I was, was what I was supposed to be doing that I literally kept in my, in my mind, in my spirit, I kept saying, you put me here. This is what I'm supposed to do. So that was one of the coolest times in my life because it was the most weight that I think could have been on me at that time, at that age, you know, trying to figure out how to be married, figure out how to do this, all these people building project. I don't know how to do any of it. Um, but God just gave me so much peace through all of it. We launched July fourth around 220 people. Uh, we grew to 500. Started a 501c3 um, that served over like 400 thousand pounds of food during COVID. They started a, a, a transitional house outside of that. Uh, just so many cool things because of these people that were so committed. Um, so yeah, that's a bit of the the story on how we it. And
0: uh, you know, one thing that impresses me is to hear how. Quickly, you guys got into community development stuff, feeding people, transitional house. Uh, one of the, the observations that I continue to fall into is that the, the, the church in this kind of post-Christian era is going to have to be a community builder. We, we have to uh, show that we add value to the community besides the gospel to, to, yeah. just to win a seat at the table. And, if, and the churches that are doing that are doing really, really well with the communities around the churches that are not are sometimes, you know, rejected, hated, even um, mm-hmm. difficult thing. You know, before we move on, what, while you were doing that, what, what, was, what was your mm-hmm. biggest problem? What, 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 what did you struggle with during that time?
1: Um, man, uh, I'll give you two. One was the, the pre-plant pre-planting, uh, um, the the biggest challenge that I feel like we had to overcome was keeping a team engaged when there's nothing to do. Um, you know, there were times where we we're literally just waiting on this inspector to come back for a month because he didn't want to come back. Um, so for me, I'm naturally, I'm an introvert. I want to be by myself. So the biggest challenge for me was really digging into these people's lives during that time and starting to starting to understand and identify the different qualities that these people had, because in my mind and on paper, I'm building the structure for once we actually do this, where are people going to go? Because here's the honest truth is I had a, a four-year game plan. I think it was three at the time. It quickly changed to four or five, but to not be the pastor there anymore, I wanted to plant build the systems, put the people in place and leave. So for me, I think one of the biggest challenges initially was really getting out of my own skin and just digging into people's lives. Cause it's what we need to do. It's who we, My introversion isn't an excuse for neglecting the call that's been put on my life. Um, but it was such an amazing experience because by the time we did launch we had this, this bond in this community that was just established where we felt like we were unstoppable because we all were so secure in what God was doing in that place because of what he had done in us through that process. So that was a big challenge. The other with actually starting getting some of these things started in the community. Um, it was this, it goes back to the same thing. It goes back to relationships. I had to pre-church pre-launch. I had to I lived 40 minutes away. I started working out at a gym in the county. I started going to Bible studies in the county. I started going to different uh, state or countywide events in the county. I just started meeting everybody I could because going back to the gap filling thing, that was the whole purpose. And what we said over and over and over again is we were a plant from a campus in La Plata. And I kept saying, we're not New Life La Plata in Calvert County. We are what Calvert County needs right now we're not going to just take what La Plata is and go there and do it. We are going to find what they need and we're going to do that. So I had to really dig and get into the leaders lives in the County to understand where the gaps really were and where the frustrations in the community were. And that takes a lot of effort and it takes a lot of time. And it takes a lot of conversations and it takes a lot of caring and those things, a lot of them don't come naturally to me. So for me, those were some of the biggest challenges. Um, but man, once you get the right people in the right seats on the bus, stuff seems to just move. And once at like the 501c3 that we started, I barely had a hand in that. These people were so passionate about it. The hardest part about that was kicking them out of the Sunday morning experience so that they could actually go do that because they, like, they were mad at me when I asked them to leave and not help. They were running the Sunday morning experience, but they were serving all these homeless people. When I asked them to stop serving, they were they wouldn't talk to me. Like these were close friends that we, and they were so frustrated with me because they felt kicked out. But once they realized what happened and what they were empowered to do, it wasn't me starting a ministry and starting a 501c3. That was their heart. All I did was give structure and leadership and guidance throughout. So I think those relationships really were the biggest challenge.
0: Okay. That is really, really interesting. You know, I, I find, uh, a lot of guys that are we have this calling that 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 asks us to function as extroverts you know you stand up in front of a crowd of people and you're an entertainer in some ways i mean even teaching the bible and 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 being very spirit driven you're still you're entertaining a lot of people and uh you got to learn how to be funny and you know watch late night tv to to figure out how to how to throw (laughs) a joke I, i i'm old so um, I, I remember one of my mentors telling me, uh, you, you just got to stay up and watch Johnny Carson's monologue every night. And so about three <laughs> nights a week, I would do that. I got I got an album, the Fat Albert album by Bill Cosby. And I brought one of that sucker out. I, I would just, you know, I had to learn how to communicate. And yet I'm a, I'm a natural introvert. And as you're describing yeah. what you went through successfully, I'm four years into having moved from Honolulu, where I did those things quite well in the, in the mm-hmm. beginning because I was a missionary to, you know, from California. Because Hawaii is almost like another country. But now mm-hmm. I move here as a retired person, and I know about five people, including my daughter and son-in-law in, in this county, um, other than doctors and, you know, UPS where I get my mail, all that. I, I, and I, I, I feel guilty listening to you um uh, it's like oh my gosh you know there there, there's the Iraqis next door and then the other side of my house Mm. there's the Vietnamese people who I am friendly with Mm. but not enough and I'm wondering how many people are are listening to this that uh you know you're an introverted person which may have contributed to your call because you were alone with Jesus and Jesus spoke to your heart and and now you're in this situation this is a this is a difficult road to hoe and it continues to be for me, but thank you for, for sharing because um, I'm going to go back to the gym. I quit the gym when COVID hit. <laughs> I think I'm going to go back to the gym and actually try to talk to people, which I you, know, yeah. I, you know, I sit on an airplane and somebody starts trying to talk to me and I grunt a couple of times and, and uh, I, look. I do too.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm the same way. I get it.